Welcome to the Susquehanna Valley Baptist Pulpit, preaching a life worth living, abundant life in Christ. And now the message. Hold a finger in Genesis chapter 1 and then have ready to go to chapter 2 as well. Uh, this is, of course, as was mentioned earlier during the announcements time, our Sanctity of Life Observation Sunday, uh, where we observe the biblical teachings of the sanctity of life. Uh, hence why we're in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, uh, Genesis chapter 1 and in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, this has been something that our church has uh, independently engaged in uh, for a number of years now. It's not new to many of you. Uh, some would say, well, why would you do so? Well, there's a number of reasons behind it. One of it is to educate. It's important that people um, be educated on the biblical truths of life. It is a consideration of the great evils that has been done by the promulgating of an evolutionary concept whereby humanity is really nothing more than an accident in its existence. Uh, and I think as one looks into the Word of God, you find God's truth on the matter. That's one reason. Another reason is it moves to an understanding not only of the education behind it, uh, but also to one to be able to be able to give us an observation into what is ongoing in our society. This is a plaguing society, a even of our life. Many look and say, well, there would be no need of it because wasn't Roe v. Wade overturned? Uh, the fact is, it was in some states. Uh, but in Pennsylvania, back during the 90s, uh, we uh, ratified, I should say, our Constitution was ratified that if ever uh, something was to happen to the federal issuance of the law that was dictated by the court uh, January the 22nd, 1973, uh, then Pennsylvania would revert, our Constitution would revert to whatever that current law was. So henceforth, though there was the Dobbs hearing, it didn't change anything in Pennsylvania. In fact, what you'll see with some notes that I want to give you in just a moment, uh, that in reality the numbers of abortions in Pennsylvania, yeah, even in Dolphin County, has increased over the last two, three years, not decreased. That's an important consideration to make known. Let me read you just a few things um, just to remind you of. Some of these are statistics, some of these are articles. Uh, this is another article from a group that uh, tracks uh, abortions. They're, they're pro-choice in many ways. And I'll just read this to you. Uh, this is their analysis uh, of uh, abortion data, uh, consensus from all over the states. They found that uh, medicational abortions accounted for 53% of all facility-based abortions in the United States in 2020. In fact, they estimate due to their preliminary data uh, that since February the 24th of 2022, 54% uh, of all abortions that occurred across the country were done through the means of medication. They give you the pill here. Uh, Mithoprestone is the medication. It's a two-drug combination, also known as the abortive pill. Uh, they noted in their article here, and I can give you the link to it if you'd like, uh, but in their article, they said from 2017, uh, it was about 39% were chemical abortions, meaning they took some type of oral drug to induce abortion, and it's now up to over 54%, and they believe that that number will indeed grow. I think that's an important note to be made. Uh, this next article is a rather lengthy one. I will not read all of it, but it's from Penn Life Journal. Uh, they are dealing with the fact that we are, that two of the contiguous states, West Virginia and Ohio, uh, after the Dobbs ruling, 
uh, where Roe v. Wade was then really not gotten rid of. It was really dropped to the states. These two states made choices. Ohio has a near ban on abortion and West Virginia has nearly a complete ban on abortion. And so this article deals primarily with what that has done to the numbers in Pennsylvania since the Dobbs hearing. Um, they go here, uh, this, this is uh, from, uh, I'll give you the date on it, it's from January of this year. Uh, they read, the number of out-of-state patients seeking abortions in Pennsylvania rose significantly in the wake of the 2022 U.S. Supreme Court decision that overturned federal abortion protections. Abortions performed on women from Ohio, where abortion access has been again on and off again after the high court ruling nearly tripled from 557 in 2021 to over 1,300 in 2022, according to the annual abortion statistic released by the Pennsylvania Department of Health. The number of patients from West Virginia, which has a full abortion ban, has also increased uh, from 390 in 2001 to 462 in 2022. Overall, the Commonwealth has seen a 5% uptick in the total number of abortions that were performed from 33,206 in 2001 to 34,838 in 2002. In the Dobbs v. Jackson, Supreme Court overturned R.V. Wade or Roe v. Wade, the ruling that protected and guaranteed the right to abortion in this country nearly 50 years. Uh, the High Court's decision in June 2022 largely returned the issue of abortion regulation to the states. Pennsylvania is an abortion access state and it extends, note this, it extends the right of an abortion up to the 23rd week of gestation or after that if the health or life of the mother is in danger. By the way, to my knowledge, there are only three countries on the face of the earth that allow these late stage abortions to occur. The other two, U.S. being one, are China and North Korea. Who would have thought that we would rival the morals of godless countries? Some takeaways that Penn Live mentions uh, on abortions performed in Pennsylvania in 2022. Nearly half of all patients were white, 16,065. 14,923 were black. 4,297 or 12.4% .4 were Hispanic. Unmarried individuals accounted for more than 88% that is 30,405 of the abortions. One might come to mind, and you'll often hear in the news media that it has a lot to do with helping children. But the fact is, the under 18, this is according to PennLive's article, it's also ratified. I can give you the uh, Department of Health printout. I printed it out this morning. I have it back here in the study. And they verify this, uh, that under 18 and younger account for only 2% of abortions statewide. And it's still a lot. This has nothing to do with the, the idea of a young person that uh, made a mistake. The largest group are the ages 25 to 29 year olds. They are the largest cohort making up 10,000 or close to one third of all abortions statewide. The latest annual report, this is from the PennsylvaniaFamily.org, the latest annual report from the Pennsylvania Health Department from 2021, 33,206 total abortions. That marks 91 abortions every single day. And it is the 
fourth consecutive year in which annual abortions increased in Pennsylvania, up a total of 10% or over 3,000 abortions since 2017. There's a number of things in regards to this article that I want to remind you of. This is from the FIA family. As they go on, they talk about where the abortions are. And of course, uh, they are uh, the number one entity that engages in abortions across the Commonwealth is Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. They own, uh, there are 18 abortive facilities in Pennsylvania. 13 of them are run by Planned Parenthood. A side note that is found replete throughout all data is that seven of these 13 Planned Parenthoods actually failed health inspections in 2022. Just a little bit of side information. There's a number of other things to consider. Um, 2,300 of abortions of the 30-some thousand are performed at 15 weeks or later. Most of those occur in Philadelphia, and in Pittsburgh, those late-term abortions. It's just, there's astounding um, statistics on this uh, here in the Commonwealth, uh, Pennsylvania, particularly here in Harrisburg. In 2020, the 2023 numbers are not out yet, but there were 1,474. That is an increase of almost 8% uh, here in Harrisburg as far as abortions. Uh, in uh, Pittsburgh, the Allegheny Reproductive Health Center, uh, they had an increase this past year of 32%, bringing their total of 4,116. Um, York, York is up 7%, the York Planned Parenthood with 1,841 abortions. Um, some like the Westchester is down a little bit, but down still to 823, while, while others like the Planned Parenthood in Reading is up 1,057, up a total marginal of 24% over the previous years. Uh, that's right, though Dobbs is ruled, abortion still thrives here in Pennsylvania. It's not going anywhere. Literally, we could say that in the last five or six years, tens of thousands of little babies whose life was terminated prematurely. That's a powerful thing to consider. And when one comes to the Word of God and one considers the many things that are present, there seems to be in our society, a very obvious dichotomy that exists, two things that exist at the same time. What is interesting to me this morning, and, and I want to, I guess, start from this point, that in 1973, it was a landmark year. It's 50 year, 51 years ago. In January the 22nd, you had Roe v. Wade, which allowed for abortion access federally in every county, district, state in the United States of America. Later that same year in 1973, uh, you had a, another federal law that was passed. And this federal law was the Endangered Species Preservation Act in 1973. I find that a remarkable sense of irony. Then the same year that you have Roe v. Wade, which unilaterally and through the bad jurisprudence allowed abortions unrestricted and has given way to the abortion industry that in the same year we adopted the Endangered Species Act. This Endangered Species Act is quite interesting. I'm not saying that the Endangered Species Act does not need to be in existence. But take for instance that this act 
if you were to go and disturb a sea turtle nest, you would be fined up to a maximum of $50,000 and looking at up to one year in prison. If you were to go and disturb a bald eagle nest, some of you might have had chicken eggs for breakfast, but if you were to disturb a bald eagle's nest, you're looking at up to $50,000 in fines and a year in prison. And that goes on. In fact, here in the central area of Pennsylvania, uh, this is an article from May of last year that there were six young men, simpletons really, 18 to 20. And Franklin County is where they're at, you know that. These six defendants went out night spotlighting with their hunting rifles and they shot uh, a number of deers and killed them and left their bodies there and they shot it out of season. And so it's referred to, at least in the Penn Live article that I have here, as poaching. And as you read this article, these six defendants that killed these deer out of season, they face a combined total of 113 counts of unlawful taking or killing of game or wildlife. 207 counts of unlawful use of lights while hunting. 42 counts of possession of loaded firearms in a vehicle. 62 counts of restrictions on recreational spotlights. And 62 counts of unlawful use of vehicles to locate game or wildlife. In addition to all those counts against these six individuals, in addition, fines and the possibility of prison time are most certainly on the table. And several of their charges require wildlife replacement cost, essentially restitution to the state of the value of a deer which the state set at $21,000 per animal. There's irony in that. If you kill a fawn out of season, you could be looking at fines and tens of thousands of dollars in fines. But an abortion is an unfettered right. Do you see the distinction? I would submit it to you this way. There are often those in the governmental spheres of authority that would say that an unborn deer, an unborn eagle, has greater right and value to society than an unborn child. That's essentially what is being represented here. One of the base problems of this is a misunderstanding of the difference between the animal kingdom and humanity. You did not develop from an explosion that gave way to a primordial ooze and somehow brought into complexity human life as we know it. There is a distinction. Let me circle back and say, I'm not saying that the state should not care for the animals under her charge. The proverb says, a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. Rather, the complication of the matter is this, that human life is extensively more valuable than animal life. No animal has ever invented anything that has really benefited human life. But humanity has. 
I realize that they're a personification of cows that chant, eat more chicken. But understand, personified or not, no cow is in equal value to the living soul of one born to humanity. Notice Genesis chapter 1. This is the biblical account. This is a huge point why we, we want to be aware of this, yes. We want to be educated of the biblical truth, yes. But we also want to shape worldview, our outlook on life in a very theologically sound manner. And an understanding of the creation account is of paramount importance. Notice here, in the previous verses we read, and I, I want to point out a few things and then I want to go to chapter 2 for a moment. Notice on the, uh, the scriptures there, in verse number 19, the evening and the morning were the fourth day. In verse 20, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life and the fowls that fly above the earth in the open firmament of the heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, every winged fowl after its kind. God saw that it was good. Here on this fourth day, God created them and they were just there in the water. Those of the fish kingdom, the whales, the sharks, those of the fowls of the air, they're all present. You come to verse 22, he says unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea. Let fowls multiply in the earth. Verse 23, In the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Verse 24, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind. Cattle, creeping thing, the beast of the earth after its kind. After his kind, rather. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. So what has God done? He spoke, be in existence, and it was in existence. And God said about his creation that it was good. So that tells me something. It tells me, number one, that God created all the fowls of the air in their original. He created the birds. He created all of the Aquatic animals that live within the oceans created all in the original that would creep upon the land. That lets me know to an extent, so when God looked at the cows that he created, he said they were good. Despite my somewhat disagreement, he looked at the serpents of the field and said, look at them pretty little snakes. I made them. He looked at the birds of the sky and perhaps even before he heard the first cry of the whippoorwill he said it's good. He made it in all of its wonder and glorious and illustrious beauty. And there is yet no man. That's right. The fish, the animal, the fowl kingdom have all been on terra firma longer than humanity. But I want to point out some words that should bear with us a great weight this morning. Look at verse 26. And God said, let us. If you write in your Bible, you circle that. This is one of the first indication of a Godhood, a Trinity. Let us make man in our plural possessive 
likeness. Now I want you to circle back. The fowl of the air. God did not make that in his likeness. The fish of the sea. God did not make that in his likeness. The beast of the field. God did not make that in his likeness. But I would tell you something. That when humanity makes a God. How often is it that they make it in the image of a cow? How often is it that they make it in the image of a fish? First Samuel, you'll read about the Philistine god Dagon. You go back in history and study, he's half fish. How often man looks upon the natural creation and derives from that that which he will worship. The early pagans worshipped the sun, which was created on one of the first days of creation. No wonder Romans chapter 2 will bring with it the forthright truth that man worships the creation more than the creator God that has all dominion and power. But to the sun, and to the moon and the stars, to the fishes of the sea, and the fowl of the air and the beast of the field, God did not make them in his own image. But he did man. Now chapter 2. Look over, if you will, in verse number 7. There's some clarity given on what happened during this process of creation for man. God said, let there be, and there was a cow. God said, let there be, and there was a bird of the field, a bird of the air. God said, let there be, and there was fishes of the sea. But he did not do that for man. Notice chapter 2 and verse 7. And the Lord God... What did he do? What's the word say? Formed. About two years ago, my wife and I, we, we went down with the children to Smoky Mountains down that way. And she said, there's this pottery house down there. I want to go. And I can honestly say I'd never up to this date ever really been in a pottery house. I'd been in a historical pottery house before which is rudimentary. I mean, they're doing everything with hands. The very little equipment, it was historic. I went to one in Kentucky many years ago, uh, outside of Boonesboro, uh, Boonesboro, Kentucky. They have an old pottery that they have re-put together, and that's what that eventual original site was because of the, the soil nearby. They could bring it in. It could sustain pottery. Uh, about two hours from where I grew up, Seagrove, North Carolina. It's a great pottery town. It's called the pottery capital of the East Coast. A little... Not much of a town as a whole, but it has something to do with the soil. And back down here to Pigeon Forge in that area, and I went back. I'd never been in a pottery house like this. When I walked in, so surprised was I. The cups, the pitchers, the plate. My vocabulary would only be able to articulate perfect, it came to mind. Designed by hands. Crafted by artisans in beauty and in a level of perfection. It's present. The store was full of things. All that the eye could behold. Not just a baseline pottery that you might would use for a garden plant to sit out in the elements. I'm talking about something that you could put on a shelf and literally use as a conversation piece. It was formed. That's what that word means. He says in verse 7, God formed man. It means to mold 
like a potter. It has in its essence, just like a potter, to squeeze into shape. When God wanted the animals of the field, he said, come forth. When he wanted the fowls of the air, he said, let there be. When he wanted the magnificent sun that sits some 93 million miles from Earth's surface, he said, let there be a light. When he wanted the stars, places you can go in this country that are elevated with no light pollution around and one can look up and see 3,500 different stars in the skies. God spoke them into existence, but when it came to humanity, God did not speak humanity into existence. Like an artisan, like a potter, he shaped him with his own hands. That's the reality of this passage. And the reality is he made them after his own image. If you move down to the narrative of, of, of scriptures, God has never revealed himself to humanity as a cow. God has never revealed himself to humanity as a bird. When God interacts with humanity, he does it in the form of a human. Amen. Go ask Abraham about that. Abraham in chapter 18, Abraham beheld and he saw three men, the scripture says, coming towards him. And he knew from thence that he would be communing with God. Two of those were angels. In the very next chapter, they would go into the communities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they are referred to and they are witnessed and they are seen by the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah and identified as men. That is how highly God esteems humanity. And such was the testimony of Christ. The pre-existing one who incarnate became flesh and dwelt among us. And when he walked for those some 30, 30, 33 years on the face of the earth, he did so transfigured in human flesh. He had hands. He had feet. He had hair. He had ribs. He had a side. He had a stomach. He hungered. He had a mouth that spoke. He had a nose that breathed. Why? Because that was the image by which he made man. When we consider this, one might say, well, what does the scripture say? Why did God make man in his own image? When we think of own image... We think, as I have said already, the physical resemblance, but there's also the composite resemblance. For in the entity, the Godhead, you find God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. When you look at man, he has that same composition of a body, a soul, and a spirit. When you think about the distinction of being made in their own image, God is eternal. No, this flesh is not eternal. One day it will perish. But my friend, at the moment of conception, a miracle occurs. I call it a miracle because there's no scientific explanation for it. Nowhere else do you have two entities that meet. And upon their meeting, there's a completely different entity that exists. No scientist can truly explain the marvels of conception. 
Oh, it's simple to talk about, but it's miraculous indeed. And at that moment, there becomes a living entity that exists. And might I say, in that sense, it's an eternal entity. For it will spend its eternal destiny somewhere, like unto the image of God, for it was made by His hand. Why did God create man? Well, Revelation chapter 4 says that He created all things for His pleasure. Why did God create man? Because He wanted to. That lets me know something. There's a level of intrinsic value that God sees in His creation. Oh, that could not be more diabolically distinct from the, 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 the false conveyance of evolution. You're not here for your pleasures of anyone. You're here rather by sheer accident. Now God, when He created Adam and Eve, and really to an extent when He created all Revelation chapter 4, they were created according to His good pleasure. We could think about the fact that He created them for His praise. Romans chapter 11 and 16, or rather verse 36, speaks on this very topic that the praise be to this Creator God. He did it so that there would be praise to Him. He did it, he did it so that He could redeem Him a people. Psalm 150 speaks of this. He did it for the purpose that he, before the foundation of the world, had instilled. Philippians, in chapter 2, talks about that one day that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God the Father, speaking to existence all the world that is, he did so because of his darling one is Prince. For Colossians says that all things that were created were created by him and for him. Yes, there was a theological move upon God that caused Him to speak in existence the world that is. God created you because He wanted to, because He valued humanity, because He loved humanity, because He wanted to spend forever with humanity. Tell me about a useless human life. But friend, as we've already seen in their creation, there is a great distinction between all the animals of the world and human life. So let me take just a few moments and give you five important distinctions that make you different and make me different than the beast of the field, that make you more important than the animals of the forest, that make you more for, uh, uh, valuable than the aquatic animals of the sea, that make you more wondrous than all the birds of the air. Five differences. Number one, there's this difference. Man has a craving for deity. Man wants to know about God. Now listen, this might not be the same thing as wanting to know about the God of truth, but man inwardly has something that he worships and loves in his life. The animal kingdom, despite what you might have seen in a movie somewhere, doesn't worship anything like humanity does. Humanity over the course of history 
has built great edifices to dead people. They've worshipped cows and fish and dragons. The fish have never been guilty of having a graven image. The majestic beasts of the field don't gather to gather on the Lord's day to move praises and be led by a song leader, a worship leader, what have you. But man does. God instilled in the heart of that creation a craving to know God. Let me give you a second difference. Not only that craving for deity, but God instilled in man because he's made in the image of God. He instilled in man the capability for dominion. That's a good one there. Back in the 70s, several actors got together and they made a movie that would be in some circles a, a cult classic, if you will. Planet of the Apes. And they've made over 30, 40 years 20 films. I hate to spoil it for you. It ain't never gonna happen. Why? Because God did not instill into any critter on earth the capability for dominion. But man has it. Why, well, as far back as you can go in human history, there's the building of kingdoms. There's the establishment of governments. Hammurabi Stele, his codex of law. Things practically as old as dirt. Why? Man did not invent the necessity of government. God instilled dominion in him. Why? Because that is evidence in God. He is in fact king of kings and lord of lords. Number three. A distinction between man and the animal kingdom. Man has a capacity for depravity. There's always one that amazes me. There are sins that humanity commit on a regular basis that the animal kingdom would never do. Unless, I have a couple friends of mine that are missionaries in Africa, and I'm a simple American. And I just assumed that everywhere in Africa there was lions, you know, lions, tires, and bears, oh my. We were talking about lions. And uh, he was down in Kenya for a number of years. He said, yeah. He said, but really, he said, you know, lions, he said, it's not like they just go around attacking people. He says, two things that drive a lion to attack. So what are they? He said, well, one could be sickness. Well, that's true over here, isn't it? You get a beast with rabies or something over here to do things it wouldn't naturally do. He said, but the second one's understandable. When we go through a heavy dearth, he said, they get edgy and they look for survival. He said, but by and large, he said, a lion in the wild, unless they're threatened, they're going to avoid humanity. But then you begin to examine humanity. You think of the atrocities that humanity has committed. You think about the mass murderers 
You think about the evil. Why? Because humanity was given a choice. And through that choice, they have great capacity for depravity. Humanity will do things a dog would not do. In fact, I'll move a step boldly beyond this. Some dogs have better morals than some humans. Why? Because God gave a man a choice. And man early on employed that choice in wickedness towards God. A capacity for depravity. Note a fourth one, there's a concern for destiny. I've been around a few animals that died. I can remember my childhood dog. He's a collie and chow mix. I love that dog, and he loved me. And uh, except my mom would not allow him in the house. So he was kind of like, she loved me more than him. Depends on the day. No, I'm joking about that. <laughs> but I had this dog, and he got sick. He got a thing called parvo, and he died. And I remember going out there when I knew there was really no hope at this point. And um, by the time we figured out all that was there, he seemed to be in no pain. He just faded, content. We buried him a short time later. I remember the sadness that gripped my heart. Now in my years of existence, I can't tell you the number of funerals. But one sticks in my mind. And I was invited to visit this man over in the West Shore Hospital. And his wife had told me about him. And she said, would you go visit him? He is dying. And I listened to this man from a distance. Angry at God hating everyone, the misery and profanity that came from his lips. But he soon would meet his God. I've never seen an animal, you hunters verify this, I've never seen an animal die and really have much concern at all for where they're going to spend their eternal existence. But I've firsthand witnessed it with humanity. God instilled that in their heart. Oh, it's all fun and games in life. And we make all the choices and we can be silly and we can snarky and we can laugh and we can joke and we can carry on and we can ignore the stern reality that your end is coming. Man cares about his destiny. But not the animal kingdom. They were created differently. Yet I'd be remiss if I did not give you this fifth one. The difference between the animal kingdom and humanity. Man can have Christ for a deliverer. Romans 5. For you and we were without strength. Christ died for the ungodly. I want to say there a moment. Christ's death on the cross was payment for our sins. What sins had you committed? 
Well, friend, if you'd have lied one time, you have broken His commandment. And if you've broken one law, you're guilty of the entire law. That's where our jur jur jurisprudence system gets it. You, you never are hauled before a magistrate really for doing one thing wrong. You ever notice that? You get charged, they charge you for 97,000 things and all the subpoints of things you didn't know exist. They put you all under there. Well, in one sense, listen, when you stand before the Almighty God and He looks at you, if you've committed one sin, and we all have, He's going to throw the book at you. You're guilty of everything. It's not a matter of your sins somehow disappearing. No, they had to be paid. God's holy justice demands death. The wages of sin is death. But what good would it do for you to die for your own sins? You don't get life. You're doomed. Your, judge, your, your sins have found you to be guilty and you stand hopeless before God and eternal judgment is yours. God commended His love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ didn't die for a cow. Christ didn't die for a chicken. He died for you. And ultimately man prepares and must prepare in this life to meet the Creator God. Man ultimately will stand before God and be judged. This destructive, barbaric abortion industry and its practices is fundamentally based on having no existence distinction between the beast of the field and of human life. May the fundamental truths of the Word of God stir us to magnify Christ, the hope that is found in Scriptures, and be ready to give an answer and aid in the preservation of life, God's precious gift. And yet, might it also give us the opportunity to share the gospel of Christ. For without it shall no man enter his glorious kingdom. Let's stand to our feet. Father, thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us, please write us at P.O. Box 126-541, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, 17112 and visit our website at www.svbcpa.org. Until next time.